Amen. I get excited about the cross, about the blood of Jesus. Anybody else with me tonight? Praise the Lord forever. Well, praise God. We want to uh, have prayer tonight before, before we get into the Word. we got a text from, uh, I guess, was that from Don? Oh, it's from Katie. Okay. Um, Linda Lawson's mom has been taken to the hospital with, with what appears to be a heart attack. And so we want to pray for her. Her name again, Vicki, was... Maddie Evans, Maddie Evans. So let's join together tonight and ask the Lord to touch Maddie, all right? Father, we come to you in behalf of Maddie tonight. Sister Maddie Evans, we pray for the hand of the Lord to rest upon her. We ask you to touch her body tonight, Father, and for your grace and your mercy to be extended to her and to this family in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you. You are still the healer, and we stand upon your promises in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, all right. Open your Bibles tonight with me. If you have your Bibles, hopefully you do, to the book of James. We're still there, right? We're still in James, and we're in James chapter 5, and, and we, we're, we're getting close to finishing uh, James, but, you know, don't get in too big a hurry, because there's still some good things coming up here in this fifth chapter. Uh, so we'll be, covering, we'll be covering that, but we want to go back tonight to verse 7, and um, we... we, we dealt with some of this last week, and if you will remember, we talked a little bit about the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church, and uh, we want to pick up again there this evening in James chapter number 5 and verse number 7. James chapter number 5 and verse number 7. Is everybody there? Are you with me? Okay. And he says this, Therefore... Be patient. Set the, they ought to have a selah right there. Stop and think about that. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until, he, until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Praise God. Thank you for your word tonight, Lord. Just open our hearts to receive the seed of your word, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Now, uh, last week, just to refresh us a little bit on what we talked about, we um, we, we, we mentioned that there were, uh, there are 1,800, over 1,800 references in the Bible to the second coming of the Lord. And um, in the New Testament alone, there are around 300 references. So about one in every 13 verses, references the coming of the Lord. So I think it's something that, that God wants us to be aware of. Amen? And so we talked about that last week, how that the second coming of the Lord is a clear message. It's not something that's just obscure. It is a biblical doctrine, and it's a clear message. It's so clear, ladies and gentlemen, that not, no one should miss out on that fact that Jesus is coming. It's hard to believe that, that there would be anyone today that would not believe in the rapture or in the coming of the Lord. And uh, so the scripture makes it very clear that Jesus is coming. And so we as believers tonight, as Christians, live in the hope and we live in the certainty of the return of Christ. 
Uh, Paul said, writing to Titus in Titus 2 and 13, that we're to be looking for, and Paul was, and those in his day were looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So how many of you all tonight are looking for that blessed hope? And the Bible says that is the blessed hope. It's the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to get get us out of here, to take His church to heaven to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so um, it's just hard to believe that there would be those today that would not be looking for and anticipating the coming of the Lord, but we know that that is true. There are, a lot of part, that there are a lot of people that are not expecting the Lord to come. And I tell you, I don't see how with everything that's going on today that um, anybody could not or would not be focused on this subject matter and this fact of the coming of the Lord. And uh, so, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know how, how everybody else is, but when I think about the rapture of the church, when I talk about it, when I read about it, 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 it something starts stirring in me. There's an excitement there. And uh, there's also a comfort there. And we talked about too last week how that the, the second coming of Christ or the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is also a comforting message. It's a message that brings comfort to our heart and to our life. And we need some comfort in the days that we're living in today. We're in a time of suffering. We're in a time uh, of trouble, of trial, of, 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 of mayhem going on in the world today. People don't know what to do. And so, you know, um, it's, it, so there's a comfort there. When we look, and I'm going to be honest with you, you can ask my wife, I don't, I don't turn it on as much as I was. But I'm not watching much news anymore. And boy, I feel so much better. Hey man, when you know when 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 I, wa- I watch the the local news and get the weather, and then man, as soon as Nora O'Donnell pops up there and starts her stuff, I flip it right over to Happy Days and watch some Fonzie. Praise God, and I feel I feel so much better. Hey Amen. Because I'm gonna tell you what I I, I got a little bit you know keep. I got to keep abreast of what's going on, but there's no good news on on that television. Amen. Praise God. Somebody, um, I I even shared that post somebody had on Facebook. How to tell if you're if, if you're being manipulated? Said number one is your TV on. Number two is it on the news? If it is, you're being manipulated. Amen. But anyway. The return of the Lord is a comforting message. It brings comfort to the believer to know that Jesus is coming to get us very, very soon. So our eyes should be, we should have that upward look and we should be looking up and preparing for His coming. Now the coming of the Lord is in two parts. We mentioned this last week as well. Not two, actually, you know, it's, it's, it's two separate comings, two parts to the second coming. And um, the first part being the rapture of the church. We all are aware of the rapture and what that is. The rapture of the church is the coming of the Lord when He comes uh, in the clouds to receive us to glory, to take the church out of here, and the saints of God are going to be removed from this planet in the blink of an eye, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Um, that's why we, we are always stressing the importance of being ready for the coming of the Lord. And Jesus did the same thing. He taught them in his earthly ministry and teaching over and over to be prepared and to be ready because there's not going to be time when the Lord comes for his church. There's not going to be time to pray or get ready or anything like that. The, the rapture is going to take place at a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And when that trumpet trumpet sounds, those who are in Christ, who are ready to go, are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. Praise God. And uh, so we believe that that 
part of the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church, is imminent. His coming is imminent. It could happen at any moment and at any time. It could happen tonight. There's nothing that has to be fulfilled in the Scripture. There's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled at all. Nothing has to take place for the rapture to take place. He can come for His church at any time. That's why we must be ready. And um, so, but the second part is the revelation. That's when Jesus comes back uh, to this earth, literally to set his feet upon this earth and to set up his kingdom uh, in Jerusalem to rule and reign on this earth for 1,000 years, which we call the millennial reign of Christ. The millennial reign of Christ will be a literal 1,000-year period where Jesus Christ will rule from Jerusalem. The, the glorified saints will rule and reign with him. We will have a part in that reign. Amen. The nation of Israel will be, will be restored Stored, and uh, Israel will be the predominant, most powerful, and glorious nation again on the face of this earth. Oh, hallelujah. All the haters of Israel need to take notice of that. Jesus is going to save them and he's going to restore them. Hallelujah. And they're going to be a great nation again. So I'm looking forward to that kingdom age. I, I don't have time to really get into that tonight, but that kingdom age is coming where the wolf and the lamb will lie down together, where, where they'll beat their swords into plowshares and their, their, their spears into pruning hooks and they will learn war no more. And there won't be any more fighting in the streets and there won't be no uh, riots and there won't be, and the Jesus ain't even gonna have no protesting, amen? Praise God. He's gonna rule, the Bible said, with a rod of iron and everybody will line up to the word of God. The rule of law on the earth during that thousand year reign will be this book right here. It'll be the Bible. It'll be the word of God. And, and, and the Bible said that righteousness will cover the earth as the waters covers the sea. Oh, hallelujah. Now I am starting to get happy just a little bit. Praise God. Amen. 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 Won't be no election years. Won't be no voting. You're not going to vote Jesus out. Praise God. He's going to rule and reign. But it will be a time that there will be no more. There, will, there won't be any sickness during that millennial reign. Um, people will, there'll be no death during that millennial reign as long as, as, as they acquiesce to Christ and are obedient to him uh, everything will go fine and um, there'll be eternal there'll, there'll be um, uh, prosperity everyone every man will sit under his own vine the book of Micah says and which, which denotes a uh, global prosperity there won't be any slums there won't be any uh, there won't be any poor people. There won't be anybody going hungry. Glory to God. The earth will produce greater than it ever has before. 1,000 years of that. Glory to, can you, can you, are you getting with me tonight? That will take place at the second coming. So when we think about the rapture, which is the next which is the next event on God's calendar. I believe that the, the rapture is the next event. He's coming for the church. And, um, and, and, and then seven years later or thereabouts, we don't know exactly how long after the rapture it will be before the Antichrist comes on the scene. But we do know this, that the Antichrist, the man of sin, will not come on the scene till the church is raptured out. We are pre-tribulation rapture people around here. At least I am, amen. So just get on board with us, amen. Uh, I'm not looking for an antichrist. I'm not looking for a tribulation. I'm not looking for the mark of the beast. We talked a couple of Sundays ago, you know, about how everything is lining up for the antichrist to come on the scene to incorporate the mark, to start the mark of the beast where 
Uh, it will be mandatory. How, how many times do you hear the word now mandatory? Mandatory. You have to do that. It's mandatory. And it's, it's coming down the path. Down the pike where uh, it's everybody is being conditioned, being prepared, getting ready for that, for that Antichrist, that man of sin to take over. The, that, that spirit of lawlessness is already at work in the earth. And uh, when he comes on the scene, he's going to, he's going to, uh, to, to make, it, you know, make it during that third during that second half of the tribulation, he will make it to where no one can buy or sell except it will be mandatory that you have the mark or the number of his name. Not you, but those that are left behind. My point is that the church won't see that. I said the church won't go through that. That's why you don't want to be left behind. Amen. So the Antichrist is coming, but before he comes, the true Christ is coming. The real Christ is coming. Hallelujah, and he's coming to get his church. So that's what James said. Be patient, establish your heart for the for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, we talked a little bit, and I'm not going to go into this. You can get last week's uh, CD, but we talked a little bit, bit about the timing of his return concerning the farmer waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting for the early and the latter rain. And we dealt a little bit with that spiritual, um, the spiritual um, uh, application uh, for the church of that early and latter rain. And um, we're, we're in that time of the latter rain now. The latter rain of the Holy Spirit um, began to be poured out just before the turn of the century or, or right thereabouts there's been an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and um, we're living in that. I read to you last week um, um, Brother Swaggart's notes from the Expositor's Study Bible on um, Joel 2.23 and I'm going to read them again just to refresh our memory but he said that the former rain and the latter rain refer to the two rainy seasons in Israel. The first or the former rain coming in October promoted the germination and the growth of the seed previously sown. The latter, which was the spring rain coming in April, matured the crops and got them ready for harvest. I think that's an important point. And the rain, of course, being the outpouring of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord that has been poured out um, for the last hundred or so years in these last days has been to prepare the harvest, prepare um, the church, prepare us for the harvest. But then he said, spiritually speaking, the former rain speaks of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the early church. The latter rain speaks of the outpouring of the Spirit which began approximately at approximately the turn of the 20th century and will continue through the millennial reign. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it, we've, we've seen it, we've experienced it. Um, in, in the day and hour which we're living in, we're still in those last days when Peter said that um, in the last days God will pour His Spirit out upon all flesh. And I still believe God wants to pour His Spirit out upon all flesh and upon every church and upon every believer that is hungry or thirsty for the things of God. And I'm going to tell you what we need today is a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church today. Amen. We need that. We need the rain of the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us. So we're living in, and my, my point is that we're living in the time of the rapture. It is rapture time. We have had the early rain. That early rain was poured out at Pentecost. We've had the latter rain, the latter day outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In this 20th century, we've experienced that. It is time for 
the harvest, the fruit of the earth to be gathered. It's time that the Lord is going to gather the wheat to the garner and separate the wheat from the tares. Is anybody with me tonight? Hallelujah. It is rapture time. The Lord has patiently waited all these centuries and he's ready to come back for his church. We're there. Glory to God. Woo! But now, he also is speaking here in, in verse number eight, where he says, be ye, be also, you also be patient and establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. There, um, he's talking about the coming of the Lord. He's referring to in that phrase to the rapture and not the second coming. He was admonishing those saints that he was writing to, James was, that the coming of the Lord was at hand. And so in view of the coming of the Lord, here's this word, here's the word to you and I tonight. As saints of God that are going through some rough times and facing some difficulties in these last days, God's word to us is the same tonight, and it is be patient for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I, I feel that it's near, it's nigh, it's there. So God's admonition to you and I is be patient. Hang on. Hold on. The Lord is coming. That word patient, the Greek word there means to be long-tempered or of a long spirit. And it means to, to persevere patiently and bravely and not to lose heart. To bravely endure misfortunes, troubles, trials, and injuries. And so I, I believe the Word of God is, and the Spirit of God is trying to tell us that right prior to the coming of the Lord, the rapture, that we're going to have to have the church must have a perseverance, a, a patience, if you will, a staying power, amen, to, to be long-spirited. In other words, not to give up. Do you realize what, can anybody see what's happening in this final hour of the church age when a lot of people are giving up? They're losing heart. They're throwing in the towel. They're saying, what's the use? Now's not the, and, and, and listen, the devil is working like that. The spirit of this age, the spirit of, of darkness it's working to try to discourage people and to discourage pastors and to discourage the church, the body of Christ, like never before because it's that close. Hallelujah. And the Word of God says, hang on, church. Be patient. Stand fast. Don't grow weary. Don't grow impatient and give up. Praise God. The Lord, the coming of the Lord, is near, it's at hand, he's coming. Praise God. Hang on, glory to God. Now, I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer tonight, but this world and the church is in for some difficult times ahead. And I said the Lord can come tonight, and I believe that with all of my heart. But for every day that he tarries, things in this world, as far as the world situation is, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking for things to get better. I know people are saying, you know, thinking, well, don't tell us that. Well, I'm just being honest with you. I, I'm not expecting things to get a lot better, but I believe that there's some difficult times ahead. For, uh, for, this, for this nation and for this earth. I believe there's some rough times ahead. So we must be patient and stand strong and be courageous and be bold and stand for the Lord. That's what he said there in verse number 8. Again, he said to be patient. Then he said this, establish your hearts 
for the coming of the Lord is at hand. To establish your hearts. That Greek word there for establish is sterizo, and it means to make stable and to place firmly or to set fast. It means to fix or to strengthen or to make firm and to render constant. Constant. To make firm, to strengthen. What he's referring to here, this is a characteristic, ladies and gentlemen, that all of us as believers are going to have to have in, the, in these days ahead. And that is, we're going to have to stand fast. We're going to have to make, make our, 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 ourself um, firm in the Lord. And this is a determination to stay the course no matter how severe the trials might be. Amen. No matter what comes our way, we're going to have to make that determination that our hearts are established. We're trusting in the Lord. We're not going to, we're not going to cave in to what's ahead um, for the church. And so this word sterizo comes comes from a root word also that means to cause to stand or to prop something up. And so James was telling these believers, you know, that, that, um, that, that were about to crumble under the load of persecution, that they needed to prop themselves up with the hope of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they were to be steadfast and strong and fixed in faith and have a fervency for the Lord Jesus Christ. You need, that's what I'm trying to do on Wednesday night. That's what I'm trying to do on Sunday morning and Sunday night. I'm trying to prop some people up and establish our hearts to be firm and steadfast and ready for the coming of the Lord. We got a window at our house that won't stay up. Anybody ever have that problem? You know, I don't know what they, how these new windows work, but we got one that don't work. In our living room. You, you raise it up and turn it loose and it just falls right back down. So, you know, when it's, when it's cool enough that we have the windows open, I got a stick. I'm, my grandma taught me some stuff, praise God. When I was a kid, you know, that's, that's how we held the windows up back in the old days. And I got a stick just right that's sticking there and props the window up because it can't stay up on its own. And I know some Christians today need some propping up. Amen. There's some that has to be propped up all the time. They just can't stay up on their own. But if there's some way I can prop you up, if there's some way I can stir you up, if there's some way I can encourage you, I pray God help me to do that because I want everybody to stand true and stand strong and stand fast for the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. It's at hand. Amen. I say Said he's coming soon. Hallelujah. So it's that faith in Christ, faith in him and his return that will cause us to be unmoved by our troubles and strengthen in our heart. The rapture is near, and that's what James will say. That coming of the Lord is at hand. It could happen at any moment. Our eyes need to be focused on the sky. Every morning when you get up, every morning when you get up, praise God, you are to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, this is the day I'm looking for you to come back for your church. I'm rapture ready. I'm listening for the sound of the trumpet and the Lord to say, come up here. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Can you imagine how that's going to be? I was sitting there in my recliner the other day just thinking about, man, how would that be? It's going to be one of them deals, you know, where you've had things happen in your life that were just, I mean, the great, you think about the greatest thing, the, 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 the best thing that's ever happened to you, and it was like a dream come true. It's like, man, I never dreamed this could be, this could ever happen to me. Well, that is a million times over of what it's going to be when, when the trumpet sounds and all of a sudden, in a moment, in a twinkling of eye, your, your mortal puts on immortality and the corruptible puts on incorruption and glory to God. You just begin, woo, just begin to go up. Hallelujah. And, and caught up with the other saints. What a time that's going to be. And that is a promise now, but it will be a reality very, very, very soon. Amen. 
The rapture must always be on our minds. Must always be on our minds. And look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. He says, now, 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 now notice, we're still talking in light of the coming of the Lord, okay? He's still in that same context. From verse number 7, he, he's talking about the coming of the Lord. Verse number 8, he's talking about the coming of the Lord being at hand, right? Still in the same context. And then look what he says in verse 9. He's not changing the subject matter. He's talking about us being patient, being, being steadfast, establishing in our hearts because we're looking for the coming of the Lord. But then in verse 9 he says, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. What's he talking about? See, I believe, I really believe this because... I, and I've been seeing it the last few months within the body of Christ, within the church, is that Satan's tactic in the last days, well, it always has been, but especially in the last days, that Satan's tactic is to divide us and conquer us. And if he can, he knows that if he can divide the church, he can defeat the church. Jesus himself said that, that, a, that, a, that a nation that's divided can't stand. Our nation right now is divided. Jesus himself said that a divided nation can't stand unless something happens to put us back together. America can't stay. It can't stand in this divided condition the way that it is. And that's why I believe when the rapture takes place and all the born-again believers are gone out of America, can you imagine what a mess this is going to be? I mean, it's bad enough now with the church here. Can you imagine what it's going to be when the church is taken out and when it's gone? So, so Satan's tactic is to divide us so he can defeat us. And he says, do not grumble one uh, against one another, brethren, talking to the church. So the devil knows if he can get Christians fighting with one another and arguing with one, uh, one another, that he can defeat them. And I see this very thing happening within the body of Christ today. There's been churches and pastors and ministers, um, and I see it a lot on, on Facebook, that are actually, look, I, I'm, not on, I'm, I'm not on social media to, to argue with folks. You know, if I post something you don't agree with it and you want to argue with me, just, just unfriend me if you don't want to see it and you don't agree, okay? Because I, I, I'm, I'm not on there to fuss and argue. If you want to argue with me, come and talk to me face to face and we'll discuss it. Well, it got quiet all of a sudden. But I have saw, I have saw contention between ministers and Christians over and division over whether to close to close down churches during the shutdown, whether to leave them open. Some chose to stay open and were criticized and, and, and talked about and persecuted by fellow Christians and churches because of the decision that they made. But I've saw division, criticism that's been taking place uh, among the believers. And I told Vicky that one time. I said, I'm getting, I, I don't even want to get on here anymore because I see so many brothers pitted against one another. This one says, no, you're wrong to do it this way and you're wrong to do it that way. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, that's just exactly what the enemy, that's his plot, that's just exactly what he wants to do. If he can get us to, to divide and, and to, 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 to split up, he can defeat the church. And James is telling the believers here, get along with one another. Glory to God. Love one another. The, you're not to judge one another. Amen. The judge is at the door. The coming of the Lord. He's going to take care of all that judgment when he gets here. Come on, amen. We're all going to stand before. That's, that's, there's a judgment for you. There's a judgment for me, for all Christians. That's coming. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ. And we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ at that rapture and give an account of ourselves to the Lord. 
and neither be rewarded or not rewarded. So what he's saying is don't grumble with one another down here. Just get your eyes on the Lord and focus on the coming of the Lord. Amen? Now look at verse number 10. He says this. Now he gives some examples of of persistence. He's going to give some examples of how we're supposed to be um, in view of the coming of the Lord and in these last days in which we're living. And he says in verse 10, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example. Here's our example, okay? As an example of what? Suffering. Where did that come from? We don't want to hear about no suffering. Glory to God. (laughs) We we want to hear about all the blessing. We don't want to hear about all the suffering. But he says, says, I'm just reading it right to you. Uh, uh, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord that, that preached the word of God, okay, as an example of suffering and patience. What's he doing? He's pointing back to the prophets. And, you know, I mentioned that in the, in the parable that I preached on Sunday about the vineyard and uh, how that those, those prophets were sent to Israel and they wouldn't hear them. Remember that? They wouldn't listen. And they, Jesus said they stoned some and they and beat one in the head and they, they sent him away wounded and they, and they killed some and, and uh, they wouldn't have anything to do. They wouldn't receive uh, the message that they had, but they, they persecuted them, didn't they? The church folks of that day, the people of God persecuted the, 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 the preachers, the prophets that God sent to him. So, so James is saying, he's given an example here of the prophets and how they endured hardships and trials and were persecuted men. They loved God, they were obedient to God, but that did not grant them a life of ease and smooth sailing. It did not exempt them from persecution. And I've said this before, and I think we need to, 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 uh, to bring this to our remembrance. We're not, the church is not going through the tribulation period, the great tribulation period. But the church, we're exempt from that. Okay, or we're on the same page there. But we're not exempt from tribulation or from persecution. Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, he said, in the world, he said, these things I've spoken in unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world, how many knows we're still here? In the world you shall have tribulation. But then he said this, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Glory to God. We're going to have some tribulation, but we're overcomers. Our faith in Christ and the cross uh, gives us the victory that overcomes the world. We talked about that Sunday night. But when it comes to going through times of testing, trial, tribulation, and This word, persecution. We have been blessed in America. We Christians, the church of America in this nation has been been exempted from any real persecution. Oh, they may have called us a holy roller, somebody. You know, something like that. Or Custis, I know the, the old timers... The old timers, you know, that uh, in the early days of the Pentecostal church when they were having the brush arbor meetings and the tent meetings and, and, um, and just getting started, people would come with rotten tomatoes and vegetables and wait till they come out and they'd throw tomatoes at them, you know, and do stuff to them. And uh, my dad, my dad and, and another guy, had started a church some years ago over in Frank Clay. And, uh, and uh, I had preached there as just a young man, but uh, they'd started that church. Well, the people in Frank Clay, and not saying anything against anybody in Frank Clay, but the people in Frank Clay didn't want a Pentecostal church there for whatever reason. And uh, they 
persecuted them to a degree. But one night, the, guy, the, the people in that town, some of the people in that, in, in that town got up on the, roof, on the top of that building that they were renting out with buckets of water. And when my dad and, those, and them came out of the church after they had had service, they dumped buckets of water on top of them. Okay, all right. Well, that would upset me. That's persecution, but that ain't nothing. Getting hit with a rotten tomato ain't nothing. And we've been exempted in this nation from persecution. But ladies and gentlemen, in the last few months, just in the last few months, we have, we have saw the church experience the persecution of the church to, just in a degree that we never have before. I would have never. If, if somebody would have told me six months ago, that this government's going to force the churches to close their doors, I'd have told them, I don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. But we've seen it. Amen? Still going on in, in California, Nevada, some other states, still going on. But it's persecution. And so what I believe James is, in the context of this, uh, of this passage here, He's given examples of the prophets that had suffered uh, persecution and were persecuted by men. And he's saying here that, I believe he's telling us that in the time before the coming of the Lord, there'll be some persecution. There'll be some suffering. There'll be some tribulation, so to speak, and, and attacks of the enemy. And that's why he's admonishing us to stand fast, to establish our hearts. Because let me tell you, when, when, when persecution comes, those who are not established, those who are not steadfast, are going to be the ones who cave in to the persecution. So we've got to be strong, church. We've got to stand fast. I don't know what the future holds uh, should the Lord tarry a few more months or should he tarry a year. I don't know. I do know we're in that final hour and, and the scripture is telling us to use to look at those prophets as an example and uh, to know that just as they stood through, now stood fast through persecution, that the church will have to do the same thing. The believers will have to do the same thing. You look in the Old Testament and Elijah dealt with threats from Ahab and Jezebel, even had to run for his life. He was was threatened. Jezebel threatened to kill him. That Jezebel, that Jezebel spirit is still alive today, ladies and gentlemen, and it's working. And I ain't calling no names, but I think you can tell who's got it. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Jeremiah was in prison, put in a miry dungeon, was known as the weeping prophet. Hosea experienced heartbreak in his marriage. John the Baptist was imprisoned and beheaded just for preaching the gospel and telling Herod that he was in sin and living in sin. Isaiah was sawn in half. But despite the opposition, you could go on and on, of all these prophets that were stoned and that were, that were killed and that were that were martyred, in spite of the opposition, they still persevered, they still held on. And the Bible says this in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, and this is, what, this is what Paul said to Timothy, and this is, I believe, God's word for us today. And we have not, we have not in this nation uh, lived this verse out, but, I, but I'm, I'm, I, I believe that we're getting ready to. And he says this, Yes, and all who desire to live godly, in Christ Jesus will, will, will suffer persecution. Who? All who desire to live godly. All who desire to live godly. Because there comes a time when we have to make a stand. Do we obey God or do we obey man? Amen. Let me close this out, this, this part here. Uh, verse 11, he gives the prophets as an example, and then in verse 11, he gives Job as an example. And he says, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and have seen the end 
the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Job is giving, given here by James as also an example of patience, endurance, and perseverance. We are all familiar tonight with the trial that Job went through. You read the book of Job, Job, one, verse, uh, Job chapter 1, 2, 3, um, tells us about Job's distress he lost everything. He, lo- he, was, he was the wealthiest man at that particular time in that particular region. God had blessed him. He, God had put a hedge about him. God was protecting him. And uh, man, he had, he had the blessing of the Lord upon his life. And Job was a godly man. He, was, he feared the Lord. He hated evil and he served the Lord. And then, you know, Satan accused him and accused his character before God. And uh, he, he, he said, you take away what he's got, you remove that hedge, and let me at him. And he said, he'll, he'll curse you to your face. And God allowed those things to happen to Job. But in his distress, we see that in chapter 1, 2, 3, lost his lost his wealth, lost his, his herds, lost his flocks, lost his health, and lost his family, lost everything. One day he's got it made, the next day he's reduced to absolutely nothing. And I don't know if I could endure that or not. I don't know if we could. We could only by and through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what it would be like to have 10 funerals in one day of 10 children. But God gave him grace. We get a little, we get a little rough, you know, on, uh, with, with Job's wife. And she, accused, you know, she, she told him just curse God and die. Well, you know, here's a mama that's just lost 10 kids, you know. I mean, she's under some pressure, no doubt. What she said wasn't right, but still, I'm sure none of us have ever made a remark like that. Glory to God. <laughs> but then in Job 4, 4 through 31, we see the defense of Job as he answers the false accusations of his friends. And they all come and try to straighten him out, tell him he's a hypocrite. But then in Job chapter 38 through 42, we see Job's deliverance. And that's what James is referring to here. How that Job endured... We count them blessed, verse 11. We count them blessed to endure. You're going to have to endure some stuff, saints. We're going to have to endure some stuff. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and notice, and saw the end, and you have saw the end of the Lord, or the end intended by the Lord. So what was the end of the Lord? What was the end result of Job's trial? Most of the time, people leave him sitting in the ash heap with a broken piece of pottery scratching boils. That was not the end of the Lord's. That wasn't the end of Job's life. The end we find uh, later on in Job chapter 42. See, in Job chapter 1, we see Job as he says, he, 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 comes, he, he, he loses everything, and then chapter 1 verse 20 says that he rent his mantle and he shaved his head and he fell down upon the ground and he worshiped. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then in Job 13, 15, we hear him say this. Though he slay me yet. Will I trust in him? Hallelujah. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand everything that I'm having to endure. But can you see the patience and the perseverance and the endurance? He didn't understand it all. But he said, even though he would slay me, I will trust in him. My Lord, give me that kind of perseverance and that kind of faith. But at the end of the book, Job 42.10 says this, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And also the Lord gave Job, oh, hallelujah. What'd he do? What'd he do? He gave Job twice 
as much as he had before. And then if you go down to verse 12, it just, it, it even gives the numbers. And you can compare, uh, you can compare Job 42 to Job 1, and you'll see how many oxen he had in, in, in chapter 1, and read the last, the end intended by, the, he had twice as many oxen, he had twice as many donkeys, he had twice as many sheep, glory to God, amen, and he had 10 more kids, Poor old Mrs. Job. <laughs> Amen. But the Lord. But see, that's, that's the thing. Job was a man who learned to live his life um, looking up, even in the bad times, even in the difficult times, to live his life looking up and, and trusting God and believing God. And God blessed the latter end of Job more than he did the beginning. And Job found out that the Lord was very compassionate and that the Lord was merciful. And I'm going to tell you something tonight, saints of God, the Lord is full of compassion. I said he's full of compassion. Everything that he does in our life is a product of his mercy and his love. Anything that he was, would allow in our life is, a, is, is based on his love and his mercy in our life. He is a good God. I preached about it Sunday. He is good. He's a good God. He loves you. And his mercy endures forever. And if you will trust him and you will believe him and you will stand fast, I'm telling you tonight, doesn't matter what we have to face, doesn't matter matter what we have to go through. He'll work all things together for the good to those who love the Lord. Jesus told that, told that, that early church there in Revelation chapter 3. He said, be thou faithful even unto death. If it comes to that, if it comes to that, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Hallelujah. What he's talking about is standing fast in these last days as we look for and wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many, Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. When I first got in church, that's the only part of that verse I ever heard anybody quote. I could quote that. You know, somebody would be going through trouble and they'd say, you know, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yeah, I know, man, that's rough. Many are the afflictions. Of... And then one day I was reading the Bible and I read that whole verse, and it doesn't end there, huh? I said, it doesn't end there. It said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And, 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 and you know, I was reading along and said, yeah, boy, isn't that the truth? But then I read the rest of it. It said, but, conjunction, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Hallelujah. The Lord delivers him out of them all. Praise God. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand tonight. Praise God. Are you ready for Jesus to come? You ready for the rapture of the church? I believe I'm looking at some folks on a Wednesday night that's ready for the rapture of the church. It's the blessed hope. You know, when Paul wrote to the, to the Thessalonians in chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians, and he, he gave those verses and talked about the, the rapture and talked about the Lord descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. Dead in Christ, rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then that 18th verse, he said, Wherefore comfort one another with these words comfort one another with these words when the going gets tough comfort one another with these words Jesus is coming Jesus is coming Jesus is coming praise God comfort one another with these words so I want to keep your I want to try to keep you focused on the fact Jesus is coming again thank you Lord for your